When you look around, you see that everything that is built has a structure. Structural systems bring strength to anything that's constructed. Relationship boundaries are key parts of relationship structure. Today, we'll be looking at building boundaries in our relationships. This message is the ninth in the series, Relate. The message is entitled, Value Boundaries. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to talk this weekend about boundaries in your life. How do you value boundaries appropriately? Now, whether you realize it or not, as we've been talking about, the Bible really is a relational book. Many times we don't think of the Bible as a relationship manual, but in reality, from Genesis to Revelation, it is a manual about relationships. It's about a relationship first and foremost with God, and then second of all with one another. Jesus was asked the question one day, what is the most important commandment of all the commandments? And Jesus said, the most important is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said the whole law is wrapped up in relationship. It's relating to God and relating to others. Now, a lot of our spiritual growth and journey and teaching and instruction is about how do we relate to God, how do we get to know Him and allow him to work in us, but it goes beyond that in terms of how we know God and how it works out in our relationships with the people around us. And so this series is all about the second aspect of that. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How do we build strength into our relationships? And you'll never make strong relationships without learning what we're talking about this weekend, the principle of boundaries. Would you say that word with me? The principle of boundaries. That's our theme. That's our topic. How do we have boundaries in our life? I'm going to share with you four things that are biblical truths about boundaries that hopefully will help you to improve the boundaries and the relationships of life. The first thing you must understand is the Bible teaches us very clearly that boundaries are something that provides structure to the relationships of life. And the key word there is the word structure. Let's talk about this word for a moment. Everything that is built requires some level of structure. I had the privilege of watching this building go up when it was being constructed, and what most of what you don't see is behind all the beautiful uh, facility here is the structure, the steel, the concrete. It's not quite as pretty, but the building would not be in place if it were not for the structure. The same is true for your physical body. Your body would not be able to function without the skeletal structure, and so anything in life requires structure to be strong, and the Bible tells us that we have to have boundaries, relationship boundaries, if we're going to have good structure for the relationships of life because your boundaries will help you to determine who you're going to relate to, who you'll not relate to, and what those relationships will look like. I want to take you to the Scriptures, and let's look at some verses that help us to understand God's perspective of building relationship structure through boundaries. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Read with me. Everybody together. Gaithersburg, Frederick. Here we go. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. He's saying draw some boundaries in your life and the people that you come closest to and you develop the closest relationships with, make sure that you only include the wise people in those boundaries because if you walk with wise, you'll be wise. If you associate with fools, obviously you're going to get into trouble. Psalm 119, verse 63. The psalmist said, I am a friend and companion of all who fear you, of those committed to living by your rules. The psalmist said, I've drawn some boundaries in my life, and really I'm only going to be a friend and a companion to people who actually fear God and those that have made a decision to embrace the commands of God in their life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good 
character. If you hang around with the wrong folks, it's just a matter of time before they're going to infiltrate some aspect of your life and they will pull you down rather than you pulling them up. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Again, boundaries are described here. Writing to Christians, he says, but now I'm writing you that you must not associate. That is, you must not include in the boundary structures of your life. You must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or, an, or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such, men, um, with such a man, do not even eat. So he says, make sure these are boundaries that protect your life. And then Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25, do not, not make friends with a hot-tempered man do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. All of these verses and many more that I could give you this morning emphasize the important, uh, importance of relationship boundaries. You need them in your life. Everybody needs some boundaries. Let me draw this here for you. That's a fence, whether you realize it or not. Okay, that's what that is, okay. It's modern art, just so you know, okay. But you need some fences around your life that protect certain things about you as a person and protect the relationships of your life. Everybody needs some fences. And I'm going to share with you uh, how these fences, these boundaries, if they are right boundaries. Now, you can have wrong boundaries. We'll talk about it in just a moment. But if they're right boundaries why these are important and how they work in your life. And there are actually five things there on your notes. I'm going to ask you to read them with me, and we'll talk about them just briefly before we move on to our other points today. Number one, boundaries help you know what, who to let, read with me, who to let into your life and who to keep out of your life and how to draw these limits kindly. There's some people that you need to let into your life and some people you need to let out of your life, and there needs to be a door that you control, Okay you got to control the door. Who's going to be in? Who's going to be out? Number two, boundaries help you know how to, read with me, how to determine who you will share your time, energy, resources, etc. with, and in what amount. You draw boundaries because you've got a, you have a limited amount of time. You have a limited amount of resources and energy. And so you've got to determine where am I going to spend my time and energy and resources. And your boundaries will help you say, predetermine where I'm going to invest that time. Number three, boundaries help you know together how to avoid allowing other people's responsibilities, issues, problems, and pain to inappropriately be placed on you. Have you ever had someone just kind of pop into your life and try to make their responsibilities yours? And try to make their pain and their problems your problems and pain. And so they come into your world and they want you to fix them. They want you to fix everything that's going wrong for them. And so they try to take their stuff and put it over on you. And many of them are expert at making you guilty about this. It's somehow you're supposed to be the one fixing everything for them. And what happens in those moments is that somebody has now stepped into your world and they've, they've, they, they've invaded your boundaries. And you have to know how to, how to handle that, how to avoid Avoid allowing people to do that to you. The next one, number five, number four, you need to know how. You need to know what you're. Read with me. What you're responsible for and not responsible for. That goes along with the third one. What am I responsible for in my life and what am I not responsible for? There's certain things in your life right now that you are responsible for. If you don't take care of them, nobody else will and you're supposed to take care of them and you're going to suffer and other people will suffer if you don't embrace those responsibilities. But here's the good news. You're not responsible for everybody else. Isn't that great to know? 
You're not responsible for every other person in your world. You're responsible for what God has assigned to you. You better handle those responsibilities well, but you don't have to handle the responsibilities of everybody else around you. Anybody want to say hallelujah to that this morning, okay? Don't have to do that, okay? Number five, you boundaries help you to know, read with me, what influence and or control over you is appropriate or inappropriate to give to others. See, there are situations in life where you need to give some influence to other people and some control to other people. It's appropriate to allow that in your life. God will place people in your life that they're there to give you influence, to guide you, to help direct your life in a healthy way. But there are also people who simply have a plan for your life for you, right? And they want to control you and direct you themselves. And you have to learn the difference between those that God has placed in my life for influence and those that are simply uh, kind of trying to execute an agenda for your life that is not actually God's agenda for your life. But right boundaries provide structure for all of your relationships. Number two, second thing, relationship boundaries can be either too weak or too rigid. Two key words there, too weak or too rigid. Let's talk about that for a moment. There's some people, I'll change, uh, I'll change colors here for you. There, there's some people that their boundaries in life, they, they have uh, kind of have some boundaries, but they're very weak or they're very broken. So as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, if you have parts of your fence that are broken down, that, are, that have fallen to the ground or never been built, you have just a few elements of fencing up around your life at some level in terms of boundaries, then what will happen is that people can easily invade your territory, right? They can get into your world. And when the wrong people get into your world, dear ones, understand something. When the wrong people get into your world, they will drain you dry. Did you hear what I just said? Have you had that before? The wrong people who want to put their responsibilities over on you and they get into your world because you don't have right boundaries, they will drain you dry, they will, in, they will invade your world, and at worst case scenario, they can exploit you and abuse you in very bad ways, okay? That's why you need boundaries. And so if you have very weak boundaries, you're going to get yourself in trouble and you'll never be able to have a fulfilling life because people will always be taking advantage of you in some way or putting their stuff over on you. But let's go to the other side of the fence. The other side of the fence, or the other side of the coin, we might say, are people that have boundaries that are very rigid. There's some folks, the boundaries of their life are not, it's not really a fence, it's a fortress, okay? okay? And they have a, their, their world kind of looks like this. Okay? I mean, they're, they're all in their little fortress, and nobody can get in. You ever met a, met a person like that? Nobody can get into their world at all. They're really shut off. If you get in, it's only just occasionally. And so there are people that build this very protective, self-protective shell around themselves. And so they, they, they stay very small and limited in their mindsets because they don't know how to expand the boundaries of their life appropriately. See, so God's plan for your life is not to live a limited, rigid life. Neither is it to allow people to always be invading your life. But it's to, found, it's to find good, right, godly boundaries. Now, the best example example for handle, handling boundaries is Jesus, because Jesus got it right every time. 
Every time he had to deal with people, he knew when to shut down the gates and he knew when to open up the gates. He knew how to establish the fences when necessary, but he also knew how to take down the fences when necessary with people. And so he was not too weak and he was not rigid. He did it right every time. Let me give you some examples of boundaries and the utilization of boundaries in the life of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look. First of all, we're looking at the gospel account of Mark chapter 1. I want you to see this boundary that Jesus established. Mark 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to what kind of a place? A solitary place where he did what? He prayed. So early in the morning, Jesus built him a a boundary with his father where he went and spent time with his father, and it was a solitary place. No one could invade that time. It was his time with God the Father. And if you're going to grow in your spiritual relationship, you need to have some times that are set aside for God, and it's just you and God spending time together. And so nobody can invade that. Nobody can take it from you. You isolate that part of your life. For me, for example, I've made a choice in my life that every morning I have time with God. It's my time with Him. And I'm telling you, it's very precious to me. I've drawn a really big boundary around that time because I I don't let anything unless it's a major crisis. I think the world would pretty much have to be coming to an end before I'm going to sacrifice that time with God. Why? Because I realize I'll never be able to do anything else if I don't have that time alone. So I protect that time. There is a big, big fortress around that time because it is vital to my existence. And the same is true for you. There are certain situations. There are times, for example, as much as possible with my wife that I will build a time into our schedule where it's our time to be together and there'll have to be a lot of things that will will have to, to, to be crisis moments to pull me out of that. Why? Because I realize if I don't spend time with my wife, our relationship will not be what it needs to be. And so these are boundary fortresses, if you will, that are valuable for life for relationships, okay? So Jesus knew how to set aside some time with some very, if you will, strong boundaries. But he also knew how to open up boundaries when necessary. Let me take you to Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse number 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they, and the they there refers to Jesus and his disciples, did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, that as Jesus said to his disciples, read the rest of the sentence with me, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So what is Jesus saying to his disciples? Man, it's been busy. People are coming and going. All kind of needs. We've been ministering to people all day long and for a long period of time. We need some rest. Come on, guys. We need a vacation. Let's go build a fence around some time together, and we'll just take some time to restore and to refresh. So he built a fence. He invited his disciples for a time of retreat, for a time of refreshing. Okay. Now, notice what happens here in verse number 33. But many who saw them leaving, that is, saw Jesus and the disciples leaving, recognized them, he's realized who they were, and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So Jesus got in the, in the boat with his disciples. They go across to the Sea of Galilee, and they, their purpose is to have a vacation. We're going to take a break, okay? We're going to get a break from people. We've been ministering to people all the time. 
And so this was, they were going to surround themselves with some time off. But the people heard and saw where they were going, and notice what happens. They ran ahead of them. So when Jesus arrives at his retreat destination, there are all those people he just left behind. Now imagine that for a moment. You've been planning a vacation. You need to get away from work. You need to get away from all those people that are you're working with day in and day out, all the responsibilities, and you show up at your hotel, at your resort, and there are all those people from work right there with you. Okay? This is kind of what happened here. There's Jesus with all these people. He's got to make a decision as to what he's going to do in that situation. Now what would your decision have been? Yeah. I like that statement. That says a lot, okay? That's what the disciples wanted to do. But notice how Jesus responded. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, what did he have? He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So he'd established what was going to be his vacation. But because of a pressing set of circumstances, he had compassion. And Jesus opened up the gate and began to minister to these folks. And by the way, do you know what happens? He expanded his boundaries. But out of this story comes one of the most amazing miracles in Jesus' entire ministry. It is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It was in that situation while he's teaching and preaching to those where he's opened up his world, he's expanded his boundaries. Out of that, Jesus took five loaves and two fish and multiplied them. We have the story. You glad that story's in the Bible? You know why it's in the Bible? Because Jesus knew when to expound his boundaries and he knew when to close off his boundaries. And the same is true for you and me. You better know how to close your boundaries and you better learn how to open your boundaries because both of those are important to your relationship success and to God using you in your life. Now, not only did Jesus know how to do this in his life, he also knew how to respect boundaries in other people. He understood that people have a free will, a free choice. Jesus never pushed himself on anyone. The Lord of the universe could have very easily demanded and made things happen outside of or contrary to the will of a person, but Jesus always honored the boundaries or the will of other people. Let's take a look at a story that illustrates this. Again, still in the gospel account, uh, still in the gospels, in the account of Matthew chapter 19, verses 21 and 22. Here's the background of the story. There's a young man that comes to Jesus. He's very wealthy. He's interested in eternal life. He says, Jesus, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Jesus said, well, how about the commandment thing? You done that? He said, yeah, I've kept all the commandments since I was young. I got that one covered. Jesus now responds to him with this statement. Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Let's stop there for a moment. So here's this guy wanting to know how to be spiritual, how to have eternal life. And Jesus said, You've done the commandment thing. There's one more thing you need to do. Here's my plan for your life. You got that? Who's speaking here? Jesus is speaking to a young man, and he's saying, young man, here is my plan for your life. Here is my will for your life. My will, Jesus said, for your life is this. Go sell everything you have and give it away to the poor and come follow me. Now, would you agree that was God's will for this young man's life, correct? Why? Because Jesus is communicating it. And so Jesus, one with the Father, this was God's will for this young man's life. It was the best plan for his life. 
Had he done this, he was going to move into the direct center of God's will for his life. All he had to do was go do what Jesus asked him to do. Well, let's see what happens here in the story. Many of you will know what transpired, but notice verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Here Jesus gave him the plan of God for his life, and what did the young man do? He walked away from it. He, he actually, actually exited from the plan of God for his life. And nowhere, listen to me, nowhere in that story do we find Jesus chasing the young man and demanding that he do what he'd been asked to do. He let the young man go. Why? Because he valued the young man's boundaries. He realized that this young man needed to make a choice for his own life. I'm going to tell you there are times that you will know what's good for a person and you'll try to share it with them and help them along their journey. But have you noticed that sometimes they don't take your advice? Sometimes they just don't do what you even know would be a good thing. It may even be wise advice that you're giving them. I look back over the years and I think about all the different times that I, I could have very easily and have very easily given wise advice to people about how to take steps in their life that will move them forward. But at the end of the day, whose responsibility is it to follow the advice? It's the responsibility of the person. Even when God gives you his will for your life and helps you understand what you're to do, you have to make a choice yourself. He never violates your boundaries. Very, very valuable lessons from Jesus that we need to emulate in our lives as well. Number three, third point today is that right boundaries are a blessing to your relationships. Right boundaries are a blessing to your relationships. Maybe you heard the statement of Robert Frost. He said, good fences make good neighbors. How true that is. A good fence has a good purpose. It brings blessing to your life. Because what happens is when you, you build the right kind of boundary, it produces something. It produces security. Boundaries always produce security. It, because it reveals commitment. It reveals priority. And because of that, it produces trust in a relationship. I'm not sure the last time, maybe some of you traveled uh, toward the eastern part of the state and had to go across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. Uh, but if you've gone over the Chesapeake Bridge, especially portion of extensive stretch and span across the Chesapeake Bay, uh, you'll recall it's quite a long span. And it's, it's, not, it's not for the faint of heart. And when you're driving across that, if you're like me, I'm, 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 I'm a little nervous. I'm like, don't talk to me, I'm driving, okay? okay? And I want you to imagine, even if you feel like me, that kind of trepidation when you're driving, even the way it's currently structured. Think about driving across that same bridge if there were no guardrails at all. Can you imagine what that would feel? Even if you're staying in your lane, just the fact that there were no guardrails there, the insecurity element of that would just, I mean, it would just freak you out. I mean, I wouldn't go. I just would not. It's like, oh, the beach can stay there, okay? okay? I'm not going, okay? Because those boundaries provide you a sense of security in an insecure setting, in an insecure environment. That's why... Moral boundaries are so important. You need to know what your bound, moral boundaries are. Why? Because they'll give you security in, as you navigate life. What is right and what is wrong? 
If you're still always wondering what's right and what's wrong and trying to just kind of go with the flow of things, you're going to have a very insecure life. And that's why boundaries are important because they provide security to a relationship. They reveal what your commitments really are. They reveal what your priorities really are. In 1986, we started Church of the Redeemer in the summer of 1986. In fact, uh, on the 28th, which is just a few days away, uh, we will actually celebrate on the day, the, the, the day that we uh, actually moved to Gaithersburg, Maryland to start Church of the Redeemer 28 years ago. And so it will be our 28th anniversary of uh, being the pastor here at our church, the starting of our church, which is great. And when we first moved, when we moved in 1986, there was no church here. I didn't know anybody here at all. We literally knew no person in, the, in this whole area at all. We only knew some folks across the, the river in northern Virginia, but no one in the Maryland area. And the way we started our church, uh, obviously with prayer, but also with the activity that we do, I went on door-to-door knocking on doors, inviting people to church. That's how I did. That's the only thing I knew to do. So I printed up a whole bunch of flyers inviting people to church, and I knocked on their doors, and if they weren't home, I would leave a flyer there, and I would say, you know, you'd like to come to church. We're starting a new church. Do you know Jesus? And I just did that door-to-door. That summer, uh, I think I passed out, and, and bear with my recollection here, but somewhere around 14,000 flyers that I distributed that summer, just door-to-door. I literally wore shoes out that summer because I would get up every morning, and that was my job for the day, to go door-to-door, knocking on doors, inviting people, putting flyers out. So all of those little flyers that I had printed up had uh, the information about the church where we were meeting at at the time, and it also had a phone number on it, 301-926-0967. And that was our home number because there was no church office. So uh, I gave out 14,000 flyers with my home number on it. Okay. Yeah, don't clap, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you more of the story in just a minute. Okay. So here's a guy starting a church, a pastor that seems to care about people, and so... Can you imagine how many phone calls we got? I mean, our phone was ringing. I mean, literally, you can't even imagine how much our phone would ring. I mean, just day in and day out, answering phone, answering phone. I mean, all the time. And, and I don't know what it is, but people have like an amazing sense of when you sit down to the dinner table, okay? They know, call now, okay? He just took a bite, call him, Okay? And so our dinner times were just being upset and just, you know, it was just, it was just beginning to work on us significantly as a family because it just, it just, I'm talking about nonstop phone calls that would happen in our church, in our home. And so I made a decision. I said, honey, I'm going to tell you something. We're, we, from this time forward, we are not going to answer phones between such and such an hour because we are going to be, we're going to have a dinner time together as a family. And I don't care if the phone rings till Jesus comes back, Okay. We're not going to answer it. Okay? I will not answer a phone. Because I learned something about people in crisis. People tell you they're in crisis, but you know what? Their crisis developed over 20 years, okay? And now they want you to fix their crisis in five minutes that developed over 15, 20 years oftentimes. Not always the case, but there are real crises that occur. But sometimes people want to make things crisis points that aren't really crisis points. And I realized that we had to draw some boundaries in our life, and we did. And it was one of the wisest decisions that I ever made. By the way, that number, 301-926-0967, anybody happen to recognize that number? It's the number of the church now, okay? So the the church number that we have, the main church number, used to be my home number, but we wisely ported it to the church, okay? (laughs) At At some point in time, okay? But these are things that you have to realize. And this, I could give you a lot of other examples through my life and history and experience of realizing. There are things that you have to 
You have to create these boundaries because they're blessings for you. They help you to have the strength and energy to do other things that you would not otherwise have the capacity to do. Because whether you realize it or not, let me just remind you, you are not the Savior of the world. There's only one Savior. Anybody know his name? Jesus. Jesus. You are not the Savior of the world. And it's extremely, actually it's, when people try to be the Savior of the world, it's actually pride is really what it is. Because they're trying to fix people taking responsibility for people that only God can take responsibility. It's God that loves it. Now, we love the people and respond to the people that we're called to respond to, but understand stuff. There's really only one Savior. When your boundaries become so weak that you're trying to fix everybody around you, then what you're doing, you're actually playing a game. You're actually engaging in playing God, and because of that, your life is going to be very fatiguing and fatigued because it's very fatiguing to try to be God. You can't be God. And so boundaries are a great blessing for your life. That's why I'm talking about them this weekend. Let's go to our next point together, okay? Next point together is this. Relationship boundaries have to be built and maintained. They have to be built and they have to be maintained. In your relationships of life, uh, there are different kinds of relationships. Let's talk about that for a moment. Some relationships, you adjust boundaries based on relationships. For example, if a stranger came to your home and knocked on the door and you invited them in to have a conversation with them, whatever it might be, and they just sort of walked past you and went right to your refrigerator and opened up the door of your refrigerator and started eating all your food, what would you, what would you do? Like, what's, what's up with this guy, okay? okay? That's my food he's eating, okay? But if your kids come in and open up your refrigerator and start eating, what do you say? Well, there they go again, okay? This is a very different response because the kids have the right to do something that a stranger doesn't have the right to do. And so relationship boundaries are adjusted based upon relationships. And so there's a fluidity to this. There's a sense of awareness to this kind of thing that you have to develop in your life. And so what I thought I would do for you today, talking about boundaries being built and maintained, what I, would, what I want to do in the next few moments is kind of share with you from my own life experience. Is that okay? Okay? I'm going to do it anyway, so it would be great to say okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, from my own life experience, just five things I've learned about boundaries. Is that all right? Okay. These aren't, this is not like the, 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 the major book on boundaries. I believe all these five things are biblical. I believe I could take time and support them all biblically, but this is what I've learned over 35 years of ministry. This is what I've learned over 51 years of following Jesus. This is what I've learned from life experience. And so I thought I'd just maybe share that with you. Okay? Good? Good? <laughs> Somebody's, you guys are not really convincing me, but that's okay. Is it good? Good. All right. I'm going to ask you to read them with me. Here we go. Number one, how does it start? Define your values, priorities, and commitments, those you should not compromise. There are certain things in your life you should never compromise. And so you have to define what your values are, your priorities, and your commitments because they're going to determine where your boundaries are. If you don't know your own values, if you don't know your own things you're really committed to and not committed to, uh, your priorities. If everything is important, listen, if everything's important, nothing's important. If everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. We say, oh, this is important. Well, this is important. This is, well, everything's important. Nothing really is important. So importance emphasizes what really is at the top of a list. A priority has to be a priority for it to be a priority. It has to take precedence over something else. And so you have to determine what are the, what are the values in my life? What are the most important things I need to be focusing on in my life right now? What are the commitments that I've made in my life right now that are the most valuable commitments? Because those are the things I need to make sure the right kind of boundaries are around to begin with. Number two 
you need to also do what? Communicate, read with me, communicate your boundaries. How kindly. There'll be times you're going to have to tell other people what, why you're establishing a boundary. Well, I can't do this because this is a value or this is something I've made a commitment to. And so there, there's a communication factor to it. Number three, read with me, you have to prepare respectful, no scripts that can be communicated kindly and firmly when your boundaries are invaded. You have to learn how to say no. Everybody practice with me. Everybody say it. No. Now remember something. You can't say yes to everything. <laughs> Boy, have I had to learn this over my life. You cannot say yes to everything. Because if you say yes to everything, it, it, you have to know what is really most important to me right now. What is the values? What are the values in my life? What am I called to give priority to right now? What are the commitments that are non-negotiables in my life? And so I've got to build my time structure around that and my energies around that. doesn't mean I don't have anything for something else, but I have to start there. And that means I'm going to have to say no to some other things. I can't do it. I can't take every speaking engagement that's offered to me. I can't do everything that maybe be out there as possibilities that for me. I have to say no to some things. And so anytime you say a yes, any yes also requires a no. If I say yes, I'm going to spend time with God in the morning, I'm saying no to some other things. It's true. And every, if I say yes, I'm going to take my wife out on a date every week, it means I'm saying no to other things. And so every yes requires a no. You have to learn how to create those proper no's in your life in a kind and gentle and appropriate way. But they're based not on your whims. They're based on your values. They're based on your priorities and based on your commitments. Number four, read with me this one. Continue to let God... Expand, come on, everybody together. Continue to let God expand and stretch your boundaries for character growth, ministry growth, and service opportunities. Don't settle for rigidity, smallness, selfishness, or hyper-self-protectedness. When I'm talking about building boundaries, I am not, I am not talking about settling for being a rigid person or a small person or a selfish person or a self-protective person. What I'm talking about is this. God not only will help you to build the right boundaries, but also God wants to expand your boundaries. Jabez prayed a prayer that God answered, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, verses 9 and 10. You know, the prayer that Jabez prayed, prayed, oh God, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, that is, stretch out my boundaries bigger than they've been. So here's what I want you to see, that as you start with God, your boundaries over time, God wants to stretch you out and make you bigger than you are, which means your boundaries will be further extended over a period of time, but you, you, you'll be able to handle it in a healthy way. The more management skills you learn in your life, the more you're able to handle more things. So management of your current boundaries will put you, good management of your current boundaries will help you to learn how to manage more things in your life. Growth always comes by good management. What you manage well increases. And so God gives you a certain thing in your life, says manage it well now, and then he can stretch your life to a new dimension. I'm thinking about the life of our church right now, and I'm so excited at one level about some of the opportunities that God is giving us, but I realize that for me it's going to stretch my boundaries in some new ways. And it's going to be good for us to, to, to grow forward in the days to come. But every point of growth requires your boundaries to get a little bigger than they were before. And don't run away from things that stretch you. Turn to your neighbor and say, stretching is good. Go and tell them stretching is good, okay? Don't build a fortress around your life. Stretch where you need to stretch. And then the last one here, read with me. The last one is refresh yourself. You can't give if you don't. You can't give if you don't what? You can't give if you don't renew. 
If you had a pocket full of money and no credit card, you went out on a spending spree. At some point in time, you would run out of money. And if you didn't go back to some source and recapture some resources, you could not continue the spending. Let's use another analogy. You get in your car, you're driving. At some point in time, for, after driving for a period of time, you have to go to a gas station. You actually have to go to a gas station. Some people haven't learned that yet. I mean, they drive on. I mean, that E, you know, it's like, whoa. I've been with people before, and like, I see that E, that their, their gas gauge is like past the E. Ever been with a person like that? Okay. You make a suggestion. You don't think it might, might be a good idea, you know, for us to go get some gas? Oh, no, we got plenty of gas. Okay. You've been with someone like that before? If you haven't realized it or not, understand something. E stands for empty, okay? It doesn't stand for eternity, okay? okay. It stands for empty, okay? okay? Remember that, okay? And in your life, if you keep running and running and running, where you, where's, your, where's your gauge going to get? It's going to get to E. It's going to get empty, okay? You have to renew. It's always amazed me when I think about God giving us this example. The Bible says that in, in, in the creation of the world, in six days, God created the world. And on the seventh day, what did God do? What did he do? God rested on the seventh day. You ever ask the question, why did God rest? Was he tired? Does God get tired? No, he tells us in Isaiah chapter 40, I never grow tired or weary, right? Correct? Read it for yourself. Isaiah chapter 40. God says, I never grow tired or weary. Okay, well, if you don't grow tired or weary, you could have done a lot more, man. We could have a lot more stuff on the seventh day. Just one more day, okay? But somehow God said in six days, I created what I was going to create on the seventh day. I Why did God rest on the seventh day? Because he gave us the example for our own lives. And in fact, when God called the nation of Israel to a place called Mount Sinai and gave them the law, in the law called the Ten Commandments, one of the big ten. Now think about it. You, God, are going to write with your finger ten things for people to remember for all of history. And one of those ten things is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Let's take one day out of your week. Sabbath means rest. That's all it means in the Hebrew language. So God says, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you need to have some rest. He's saying, build into your world, build into your life some time for restoration, some time for renewal, because you can't give what you don't have, and you need to refresh, you need to renew. From time to time I do pastor's conferences, and I love to talk to pastors about this very important thing, because it's a challenge for all of us. I remind them that this is a principle you cannot violate. It's true for all of us. I'll illustrate it this way. If you went to buy a brand new car, there are certain things on a car that are optional and certain things that are standard equipment. You would never go to a car dealership to buy a new car and say, you know what, I really love that car, but could I get it without the engine? No. You don't buy cars without engines. That's not optional, right? Nor would you go to a car dealership and say, you know what, the engine is fine, but could you leave off the brakes? I don't want any brakes, okay? There are two things you have to have in every vehicle. You have to have certainly an engine. You also have to have some brakes. Both of them are essential. And I, let's take this into our world. There's some folks that just don't have an engine. I see them. They don't have any motivation. I just want to kick them in the behind and say, get going! 
God gave you a life. God gave you a brain. God gave you gifts. God gave you abilities. Go do something with what God gave you. Get out there and learn. Get out and be a, a student. Go to school. Learn something. Apply yourself. Put some energy. Six days shalt thou labor, the Bible says. So you need to be engaging in something meaningful and workful and working in your life that has meaningful and, 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 and positive advances for your life. And so six days you shall labor. Get an engine in your life, but don't forget your brakes. Because there are times you just need to chill. There are times you just need to back off and say, you know what, this is time to refresh and this is time to recuperate. That's a big boundary issue for a lot of people in their lives. In the world that we live in today, we really don't rest well. We entertain ourselves, but we don't rest ourselves. Let me say it again. We entertain ourselves, but we don't rest ourselves. We're good at... We're good at amusement. We're not very good at recreation. See, recreation means recreate. And it's a boundary that God says build into your life so you'll have, if I don't have anything in me, I don't have anything to give to you. Same is true for you with other people. So God says, you know what, this relationship thing is so important. Build some boundaries in your life. Make sure that they're not all broken down so that people can invade you, but make sure they're not so rigid that I can't expand them and grow them. But learn how to let me build boundaries that are right and healthy for you. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your work. Thank you for speaking to us today. We ask you to take this word, apply it deeply to our hearts. Help us to get it, God. We need to get this. will change our lives if we really get this. Work it deeply in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention His name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus.
If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.